0: Hello, I'm Juliette Littman. And I am Joe House. Welcome to Ringer Food, the Ringer's new hub for all your food-related content. You may have known this feed as House of Carbs, and don't worry, that's not totally going away. We will be launching two new shows on the feed and the first is Food News with me and David Jacoby. You may remember us from our days at Grantland while Jacoby and I are back to go over the news, sample snacks, share some personal tales of food news, some global tales of food news. Who knows what else is to come? And House, what are you going to be doing? Oh, my taste
1: buds, my hungry homies, my culinary comrades, we are back. We've done it. Here to tell you that we are reigniting House of... Carbs with a whole new slate of tasty episodes throughout the year. We are starting with a football fracas, a gridiron gobble fest. We're doing NFL playoff potluck featuring taste tests of the iconic food item or items of every playoff city to determine which city reigns supreme.
0: Ringer food is starting up this Wednesday, January 12th. That's so soon. To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions
2: apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and Walk
0: now hello and welcome to the watch my name is chris ryan i am an editor at the and joining me on the other line the snitch butler himself it's andy greenwald
3: Chris, as a TV show that you liked and I didn't once famously said, I guess time is just a flat circle, baby. (laughs) Ten years on, we're back talking about the Julian Fellows verse. So This is a beautiful moment for our podcast.
0: This is like in a kind of typical watch fashion. We didn't really Mm -hmm. like uh, anticipate this. It kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, we've been vaguely aware that our 10th anniversary was quickly approaching. Greenwald, ever the personal archivist, uh, Has like narrowed down that this pretty much is our 10th anniversary show, more or
3: less. Roughly, yeah. We just, we finally figured out that we recorded our first episode on uh, January 17th, mm-hmm. um, 2012 at 9 a.m. at the famous Brill building, <laughs> Broadway. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's very on brand for us to actually miss our anniversary, not be sure of when it is, and just kind of have mostly a rando episode to celebrate it, except
0: or a Mando episode.
3: Ooh, look at, see, we still have it, right? Like every time I think we're down, we still I have it. I think I've
0: been getting better. I don't know about you. You, you have it. I, I think Noah. you peaked, peaked in like 14.
3: <laughs> I peaked when we did the slap. That <laughs> so was, I, I just... peaked professionally. I peaked personally <laughs> when we talked about that show. I'm excited that we will be joined later by the podfather himself, uh, David Jacoby, who is directly responsible for the creation of this podcast, and we will grill him about that potentially ill-advised decision.
0: Yeah. So, But before we get to David uh, Jacoby, we're going to talk a little bit about Gilded Age, which Mm-hmm. It's a very funny show to talk about for our tenth anniversary show. It is the new show from Julian Fellows, who obviously did "Doubt Nabby," "Doubt Nabby" among the first shows you, Andy and I ever talked about I don't on this know why, podcast. But we did. Yeah, uh, it's also notable that this show has been in development or production or some stage of of creation since 2012 itself. It shows, yes. uh, and so yes. this this show has literally stretched the entire mm-hmm. run of the Hollywood Prospectus podcast on the Grantland podcast network and The Watch on the Ringer Podcast Network. And then we can also... Do you want to talk about this Boba Fett episode first?
3: Yeah, okay, fine. I mean, I, I feel like... Chris, I feel like I have my finger on the pulse. And I feel like our audience wants to hear about uh, a Julian Fellows show that premiered a week and a half ago. But okay, fine. <laughs> fine. We can talk about the very surprising Star Wars episode that aired yesterday, I yeah. guess. Um, okay, so we are not fully... We haven't really been paying attention, that close attention to Boba Fett. Um, I've been paying enough think... attention
0: to know that it, it's not my bread and butter. But, but yeah, exactly. Continue. I don't think either yeah, of us
3: love it. I think you guys, you listeners have a choice to make here. We are going to spoil the nature of last night's episode, the fifth episode of the Book of Boba Fett. Frankly, I don't think it's going to offend anyone. But if it does, feel free to fast forward. The thing that you guys need to know... Many
0: great conversations have started with, I don't think I'm going to offend anyone
3: if I say the following. I, 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 I mean, look, Neil Young left the platform. Okay, there's no one left that I'm worried about offending. It's fine. Um, just from one Spotify firebrand to another. Like, I now I feel like this is a safe space. Um, this was so weird, guys, because the fifth episode of The Book of Boba Fett... Is the season three premiere of The Mandalorian? It's just fully a Mandalorian episode. I I was trying to think of precedent for a TV. I mean, TV shows have been different TV shows within their seasons. Like Mr. Robot did an episode that was an 80s comedy with a laugh track, right? Or Station Eleven almost reinvented itself every episode. There's precedent for that. But for a show to just basically be like, no, no, it's okay. Here, you do your show this week. Like their summer stock theater was so wild. Um, And really, for me, it was noteworthy because it's kind of indicative of what a just a bizarrely handmade project Mm -hmm. Star Wars for TV is. That's the thing that I keep coming back to. And yeah, we could talk about the specifics of this episode. Um, We could take wagers. Like, I'd like to do an over-under with you of how many scenes Pedro Pascal was actually there for. I'm (laughs) taking the under zero.
0: Your favorite things in the whole world.
3: (laughs) It's so great. It's so wild. But um, anyway, I, I... they made a different show in the middle of the season, a show that we do watch. So here we are talking about it. So
0: I feel a little bit more um, ready to deal with this, Andy, because I watch Yellowstone. So I don't know if you... If we've mentioned oh, this, but in season mm-hmm. four of Yellowstone, and this doesn't really give anything away, not only did Taylor Sheridan do extended looks in the first few episodes of the se- fourth season, a couple of like 10-minute like thematically un- like linked but otherwise completely random... It's basically like scenes from 1883. Um, And then within the the sort of actual like main storyline of Yellowstone this season, they had this character, Jimmy, who was really, really like below Woody and Cheers level, like in the ensemble. And they were just like, we're going to send Jimmy to Texas and every episode is going to have like 20 minutes of Jimmy, but not because Jimmy's going to come back and like save Kevin Costner or he has to go... He has to go to this other planet to solve a, a problem and come back with the necessary transponder. It's like Jimmy's just finding himself in Texas. Cool, good <laughs> and for that, Jimmy. I was like, I would say honestly, Jimmy got more screen time than Wes Bentley uh, and, uh, and 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 um, Casey. Uh, I can't remember the actual name, but he gets like a lot of screen time in this season. So when I when I saw this, and it was like my guy Jin is back in the mix. Yeah, I was like, oh, I guess like maybe this is a little Yellowstone-y. Let me tell you, let me ask you this. Had this Book of Boba Fett, this series, been called The Mandalorian, colon, The Book of Boba Fett, do you think you would blink twice at a full Mandalorian episode in the middle of of this? And to
3: be clear, I'm not blinking. Like, when when Boba Fett was announced, it was, like, stealth announced at the back end of the season finale of Mandalorian, of Mandalorian Season 2, and going by the Hollywood Reporter story... Very few people, even within Lucasfilm or Disney, like obviously Dude, the executive. It, level, when, they like, didn't I wasn't know about sure
0: it. what I was shooting for half of the time I was shooting. Yes. Boba Fett.
3: And and frankly, I saw some stuff today. The the actress Bryce Dallas Howard, actress and director, we should say. She's directed on she's directed on this show before, was saying, Oh, she's directing some of Mandalorian season three. She probably thought she did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they are running a content factory in Manhattan Beach. The the, the Favreau, Feloni, Rodriguez verse. Yeah, they're and always putting out lists. Stuff's getting chopped up and putting in putting is in this, whatever. Is this
0: lightsaber green or blue? You know, like.
3: <laughs> Wait, are you suggesting that they're doing charticles like clickbait yeah. <laughs> charticles? We can with, when we get Jacobian, on, we'll we'll workshop that because that could be a bit for us. I think there's there's legs there. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think this essentially was an episode of The Mandalorian, and I was happy about it because that's an enjoyable show that we like, and here it was again. I thought that it was okay. So my here, are my here, are my just a couple takes. One, a few weeks ago, I was talking about Matrix Resurrections with you, and I was like, "We're never going to see something this idiosyncratic and personal again mm-hmm. in the era of big big IP." That's not true. This is basically that. <laughs> I was wrong.
0: Also shows how much stock our listeners should put your pronouncements going forward.
3: Oh, well, I feel like, you know, I think they, with their 10 years deep and be being like, I'm going to, I'm going to watch that show. Yeah. I will catch up and get back to you. So I think they know the score, but I just mean like, this is so weird. It's like they, it's like they have a, it's like someone opening a a, a, a shoe repair shop at Disney World. Like, mm-hmm. they, ha- they are there, but they're just making their own thing, doing it at their own pace and telling the story in their own way. And I really respect how bizarre it is. Um, I think that there were elements already with Mandalorian that you're just like, okay, this is a more successful, and obviously it's had two and a half seasons, or two seasons, but I just feel like it's a more successful series and it didn't reflect that well on Boba Fett as an ongoing concern because the, the, the thrust of Mandalorian, get the baby. We have the baby, protect the baby, or go find the baby. And to do that, you have or to leave this, Tatooine. this is
0: a cute baby.
3: <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, look at this baby. Which, by the way, can't keep going back to that well. Baby Greedo is introduced in this episode. And, I, you know, Muppet Babies is successful.
0: Did Baby Greedo shoot first? But
3: <laughs> it's good. <laughs> what did he shoot? <laughs> a, pop, a, a, a pop gun? Like, a, oh, one of those Go-Gurts. Um,
0: did you find the lack of the baby in this Mandalorian episode by any other name to be distracting like did did cuz like yeah. I think that that's one thing that we'll have to see in in season 3 I don't know whether or not yeah. uh Grogu will be coming back from Force Academy where he's getting his masters uh mm-hmm. under Luke does he come back in the mix? Is he is he still cute? Is he kind of have like the Jonah it's, from Ozark growth spurt and maybe his voice changes?
3: It's an MFA program. It's a Master of Force Arts program that they yeah. offer. Um, did you just have? Did you just come up with that? See, this is why they listen. I'm bad on the stuff I'm supposed to be good at, and I'm good at the stuff that doesn't matter. It, it, it keeps you guessing. Um, I I thought it was a tale of two two halves. Mm. This kind of supersized episode of Boba Fett that Boba Fett wasn't in. When you take away the baby, the, you were left with the first 20 minutes of this episode, which was weirdly violent in the beginning— you know, I, at first I was like, "Oh, good." I've always wondered what a meat processing plant looks like in the Star Wars universe. Sure. And then it got super gnarly.
0: I, I want to know what a, a creative writing program looks like in the Star Wars
3: universe. It's <laughs> <Ed laughs> Force Academy, where they all have to read their work and then share it, but they all speak ten different languages. But what if,
0: what about like the one guy in the in the uh, mm-hmm. creative writing program who wants to write Star Wars fan fiction? <laughs>
3: yeah. Do you think everybody is
0: like really bored by that in the program?
3: Yeah, and they talk about it when they all gather outside smoking. Yeah. Know, to, to talk shit about <laughs> yeah, it. Can
0: you believe this guy is still fucking right about Tuscan Raiders? Oh, I mean, Jesus.
3: God, also, their backstory has been established now. Because for They're... them,
0: sci-fi is like the plight of the middle-aged white professor, you know?
3: Whoa, wait, <laughs> yeah. wait.
0: Because like, if you're in wait, Star wait a Wars, sci-fi is John Updike.
3: Holy shit. Are you saying that in the world of Star Wars... Richard Ford's novel Let Me Be Frank with you, the third volume in That's the Frank like Isaac Bascom Asimov. series. Yeah. It is no it's like Dune. Like it is the Frank Bascom sports writer trilogy? Yeah. The dew the, on the lawns of New Jersey is the spice. So the Denis Villeneuve of um whatever of Coruscant. Okay. You're saying that he's getting he's breaking the budget to build a accurate root beer stand off the side of the New Jersey Turnpike? Guys, Kathy Kennedy, Lucasfilm, get at us. We solved it. I, this, so this is how we're going to Trojan Horse, like all the canceled authors that were important to us. Yeah. We're going to do them as Star Wars shows. Yeah. Christ, I love that.
0: Sabbath theater. But it's <laughs> what I, like, what? I,
3: <laughs> who is the Philip Roth of, um, I, I was about to like, try to pull the Wookiee home planet. And I, I can't. Anybody's I, I just a, feel like...
0: All the watch real ones out there, make me an Obi-Wan Kenobi poster with like Zuckerman <laughs> rising, like one of the suns <laughs> over Tatooine.
3: Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, just what all I want to say about this episode was that the first part of it, where Mando like slaughters some people in a slaughterhouse, and then is like, excuse me, space disco... Um, Where's your service elevator to the place where my people are hiding? (laughs) Which they just seem to do. It's, it's, it's as, it's as, um, it's just as consistent as like the people who did the plumbing in the Super Mario universe were like, every third one, make a portal to a flower dimension. You know what (laughs) I mean? It's just like, it's, it's, it's in the plans. Yeah. So he goes down there and the lady and the other dude are there like melting shit. The right? Yeah, and they're just like, you know, and they don't speak in contractions, and they talk about their religion, and they do this info dump of, like, history, and I am like, I, dude, I don't need another religion. I thought I thought we left the Jedi stuff behind, and we were just going to get gnarly with it. That part bums me out. And then the back half of the episode, it's like Amy Sedaris making jokes about, like, you know, Jawas being as hairy as Alec Baldwin, and I love it, but she didn't make that. I'm just, I was like, did Alec Baldwin— I pitched that in the room as an alt, yeah. just, just so you know. So that part is still the part that I enjoy most, but overall it just is a lighter and brighter feeling just in terms of like potential show to me than Boba Fett. And so it was probably smart to remind us of the slightly better show that still is coming and that exists, but it was an, it's just an odd thing. I guess just to say that like the Boba Fett fans are already the Boba Fett fans. The, the one thing that I wanted to add to it, Chris, the conversation was when... I'm fascinated at the growing pains of converting a cinematic universe to a television universe in a television age, which Mm -hmm. is to say, in this episode alone, they just kind of toss off a whole bunch of like canonical I guessos. Like there's commercial space travel where you have to check your luggage. Like that's not something George Lucas was like scribbling in notebooks next to Luke Starkiller. You know what I (laughs) mean? Like that's just red caps. That's just a thing that, it, that they've decided is canon now. And yeah. it, that, it, when you're building a TV universe and it's kind of annoying, you have to think about all those details. It's really weird to watch them backfill all this stuff. Or, or like the fact that X-Wing fighters are cops in this episode. They're traffic cops.
0: Yeah, they're like That's, that in Mandalorian, right?
3: They like, yeah, like basically yeah. so are it,
0: like, you're speeding you know, in, Mandal- in, the, in the second season of Mandalorian, right?
3: And, and there's even a reference, and, I, and I'm sure the super fans who are also the Updike super fans who are, keep listening, I know you've opened up Photoshop to service your Lord Master CR, but there's a reference that Amy Sedaris makes where she's just like, everyone made a big deal about the Empire, but that was like 30 years. So I, it's just like they're, they're having to decide these things that really didn't matter. Yeah. Before, right? And that's sort of interesting to watch in real time. But anyway. So ah-
0: Ahsoka is gonna be Filoni as well, right?
3: Ahsoka is full Filoni. That's like his his baby. That's his okay. character. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead just joined the cast, which I is pretty that. cool. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, well let's let's talk a little bit about Gilded Age, which you know obviously brings us full circle. We started this podcast back in 2012 at Grantland talking about Downton Abbey. Julian Fellows returns
3: <laughs> are you just for laughing? some reason? It's just so weird that we did that, but yeah. it, was it was a big, big show. show, it, it was a big show,
0: it premiered in like 11, right? And I think by yeah, it, 12, it, 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 it we was a big deal, into it. Yeah. yeah. And I think you know, there is a world in which the Gilded Age is a big show. I'd love to know how many people watch the first episode because there's a ton of TV talent, a ton of like just an absolute dollop of Broadway talent in it. But we'll get yes. to that. But the pedigree is strong, it's Downton Abbey, it's Christine Bransky, it's Carrie Coon it's Cynthia Nixon it's like a, sh- a period drama a lot of things that appeal to a broad I think a, a relatively broad spectrum of people who, who watch TV I have no idea whether or not this is like a hit if it more people watch this in euphoria or less or what but I think it's a fascinating show to talk about so we're going to talk about the first episode if you haven't got a chance to check it out there's really nothing that spoilery in the first episode but um let's just get into it what, what did you think of this show?
3: Well, I think you can't talk about it without talking about its bizarre and fascinating backstory. And it's baked into the question you started to ask, which is, like, is it successful and what would it mean for it to be successful? So, as you alluded to at the beginning of the pod, like, this, is, this show has been in development for 10 years. Um, Julian Fellows, uh, by the way, fascinating character. He is a uh, landed gentry. Mm-hmm. He's, like, a baron he was an actor for many years including like in the bizarre movie that kind of traumatized me when I was a kid called baby which is about a baby dinosaur being born and it stars William Cat anyway he also wrote Gosford Park did great, he play the um, dinosaur or who did he who was he in baby you know I didn't I didn't click through I didn't click through okay. that's uh, I can't do all the work for you people okay um, Gosford Park which was fantastic and sort of his first uh, Entree into the world of upstairs, downstairs, uh, social life. Um, Although I think he was born to it and lived it. He also, by the way, like does shit like he wrote the book for the musical School of Rock. Oh. So so there are all these pictures of him grinning at red carpet premieres of a School of Rock musical in Chicago with his son Peregrine. It is really
0: His name is not Peregrine.
3: Yes, yes, it is. It is a trip. The Julian Fellows wiki. Is it a a bird? Mm -hmm. Kind of bird? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people have all sorts of names these days. Okay. It's fine. People like birds. The origin story for the show makes sense, which is basically like, oh, that thing that's popular, let's do it again and let's do an American version of it. And at the time, it was immediately jumped all over, like, not only this is great, we'll get more down nabby, but, you know, I I think that this was still kind of a relic of an era when there was some trepidation whether American audiences would en masse commit to a quote unquote foreign show, even if it's in English. That was clearly not the case with Down Nabby, and all those boundaries have fallen now anyway with foreign language shows and Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. But people thought that was a really exciting possibility. He even was teasing that maybe there'll be some crossover with Down Nabby, because do mm-hmm. you remember Elizabeth McGovern's character on that show is American? And then people just kept asking him about it for 10 years. And in 2012, he's like, oh, interesting idea. In 2015, he's like, well, I'm knee deep in research now. The Gilded Age is fascinating. And so Finally, he also
0: wrote a version of this show that was straight nonfiction, right? We're well, not nonfiction, but it was, it it was rooted in much more historical characters. And it was about the Vanderbilts. But then yes. felt like he was getting hemmed in by, well, this isn't the actual story of what happened to them. So he basically creates a Vanderbilt-like family in the Russells who are at the center of the show.
3: And then on the sort of business side of it, it's equally fascinating because the show is announced as a project from Universal Television, which it still is. And it is going to be set—it's going to go air on NBC. This is a huge get mm-hmm. for the then head of NBC, Bob Greenblatt. This is going to be a, you know a game changer for the network. It then does one of the strangest peregrinations, if you will, a television show has ever traveled. It goes from NBC to HBO. I Mm -hmm. just don't think anything like that has ever happened. The reason being, I guess they say, is budget. Like, they just can't, NBC can't agree on spending X amount of money to have these massive mansions and these massive period sets, which is all probably true. HBO can do that.
0: But that doesn't, I mean, I know know what you're saying, but isn't that kind of weird that NBC, Universal, Comcast, like this giant global megacorp. Is like, we can't afford to do something that little old HBO can do.
3: Universal is still making the show. I know, so but it is, like, it, it when, is the when it rare gets into, Universal on HBO program.
0: Is that because, like, especially in the last decade, the margins or like the, the budgets for network television shows were a lot more like cut and paste? Like, we have like a sitcom, it shoots on this soundstage. Yes. Like it, yeah.
3: Yeah, and we have to deliver this amount of advertising dollars, and to do so, we have to have a turnaround on this schedule and a more amortize whatever, whatever. You know, I, I was just talking to a friend who was a director on Briarpatch, who's directing an HBO show, and she was casually mentioning, "Oh, yeah, you know, we have um, so we have we have a day of prep for every day of production, which is generally industry standard." So she's like, "So twenty eight days for two episodes, um, sorry, so so fourteen days of each." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Well, you have fourteen days to shoot so it's an episode. Two weeks of
0: prep, two weeks of shooting
3: for, for an one episode. episode of TV. Yeah, for an episode of basic cable show, like I made, we had sixteen days, mm-hmm. eight days of prep, eight days of shooting, and then if we were over budget, another episode, you'd steal a day. So yeah, and when an like, and when you seven.
0: hear like Bob Odenkirk talk about making Saul, like that's it's more it's closer to what you were doing than what HBO is doing, right?
3: Yes, although that's definitely started to bleed as that right. the Breaking Bad franchise became more successful. But anyway." So, when you say time is money, it literally isn't TV. So, it's not necessarily just, just, can we rent it? It's not just, yeah. Yeah. It's not not just we can't afford to build the sets. It's that we cannot.
0: Because, you know, it's like, oh, you guys bought the Olympics. It it stands to reason that you could make a fake mansion, you know?
3: Well, and they are still doing it, but they're doing it for HBO and HBO's timetable (laughs) with HBO's financial investment and whatever. So, the crazy thing to me, though, is having watched this show, this does not feel like an HBO show by any metric. It, it really feels like something that was part of the let's scale up our content that happened we were talking about it the other week with AT&T. Like we mm-hmm. need to produce more things. We need to produce more hits. It's also, I think, relevant that during the period when this jumped to HBO, Bob Greenblatt had gone from head of NBC to head of Warner and was uh, one of the significant players in the launch of HBO Max. Um, he was never in charge of programming at HBO, but he was very involved in the overall company. This struck me more as an HBO Max show than an HBO show, if that distinction even matters. And the number one thing that it struck me that the show was, was a, we really fucked up by not buying The Crown. I know this is an American show. I know there, there's a lot of dissimilarities. It's, it's, it's not a one-to-one. But in terms of a, we are going to put, we're going to be in the pocket of a comfortable zone for an audience that we don't usually service, this is what that felt like to me. Interesting. And all of this is to say, the Gilded Age, which as you said, is sort of about this moment in New York high society when um, the very, very old, rich Dutch families were sort of aghast at the new money. People who had profiteered off the civil war or the railroads suddenly building garish palaces that now, of course, we all think are quaint and beautiful on the Upper East Side. Yeah. But, um and it was sort of a culture clash among the rich and the super, the newly super rich. Um, so, I, 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 by describing the show, I kind of lost my point of what I was going to say about it. But um, well, you were
0: saying how how it's at once it's strange to see it on HBO, but it, it makes sense because this is HBO's crown replacement or crown like what they would have done had you know like this would be the thing that it, they they would it, make to like get that crown audience.
3: Yeah, it feels like it. It does feel like almost a naked grab to get a certain type of audience. Because I'll say after watching it, and I can't tell, and and I'd love your thoughts on this. I can't tell if it's um, because Julian Fellows is you know in his seventies and is used to making TV or things a certain way, or if this has been in development for ten years or whatever. But there is nothing about this other than maybe the fact that they rented all of Newport, Rhode Island, save Taylor Swift's house, to film it. That screams HBO. They don't take advantage of any of the kind of like storytelling freedoms. And I don't mean like nudity. I just mean like you can be a little more complicated than that. That's not what the show is.
0: So one thing that's interesting about The Crown, uh, which I love, is that it started out, it was, um, I wouldn't say shocking, but it it challenged viewers' expectations because it asked, what if the queen fucked? You know, like it's, it's, it's like, what if the queen was this uh, young woman who smoked and was trying to find herself in the world and was trying to figure out who she was going to be before she had this enormous responsibility placed on her during the second world war and, um, you know, her relationship to Philip, who was basically like this, uh, you know, angry young man. And it's like this very like tempestuous drama that then eventually became, I think a very like, uh, very like precise retelling of of modern British history through the prism of the royals, and then also now I think is now arriving at the sort of tabloidification of the royals that happened with the modern media. Mm-hmm. The Gilded Age, it's like it's very very in this essay I shall argue dot dot dot, <laughs> and it is like from the first like they if you thought that like the logline for the show is new money against old money in upper-class New York in the 19th century, they absolutely, like, characters say that in the show where they're just like, I am the new money in this town and I will not be ignored. And, like, the old money is like, we are the old money and they will never forget it. And I kind of enjoy its, like, bald sort of, like, this Mm -hmm. is what we are. Like, just don't, don't get it twisted. But that is actually, it almost feels like that is part of, like, the network version of this show. Where it's like these looky-loos who might watch the first episode need to be hit over the head a hundred times with the themes and ideas of what we're going to be doing going forward. And I think it kind of limits, Mm -hmm. to some extent, the performances of some absolutely generationally talented actors, um, you know, named like Carrie Coon and Christine Baranski, where it's like they are really like parroting the opposing viewpoints.
3: the show is, and we haven't even talked about it. I mean, great cast. I really like Morgan Specter too, the actor who plays George Russell. Um, I got really excited when I saw that he was playing the kind of the new money guy because I was like, oh, it's going to be a show about a, about a Jew passing in high society. I'm so excited. Then I realized, nope, they just cast Morgan Spector as a respected theater actor, which he is. And he's good. But I was kind of excited that that's what the show is maybe going to be about. Um,
0: How many shows show do, you, itself, do you go into hoping that? All of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why
3: I bailed on Ozark. You know what I mean? I was like, this is, this isn't Semitic. Okay. No, no Jews, <laughs> like, mo- no, no Jews moving to Missouri. You thought Come Julia
0: on. Garner was like, you know, like a shadow remake of Yenta? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. My God. Green light that you cowards. Um, no, I mean, the show itself is almost claustrophobic. It's so stultifying, like in terms, not just the rooms or the the corsets, but just in terms of the, the rigidity of the storytelling. And, you know, it's a bummer. I think there are pleasures to be had in it. Um, you won't surprise our listeners to know that that your boy here is casually reading an Edith Wharton novel by choice. So this is a world and a demimonde that is of real interest sure. to me. What's, I think, interesting to note I mean, look. I don't know how Downton Abbey was received by the critical class in England. I can imagine. I think that what is being was undersold in the development of this show was, yes, Downton Abbey is not exotic. It's not like um, you know, it's not set on on a a gorgeous island in the middle of the Pacific or in you know or in in the hills of Tuscany. But there is an escapism element. I mean, the only things
0: that could be exotic are white lotus.
3: Or, oh my God, you're right. I just mean like the idea of like, oh, there's, a, you don't think of British countryside in winter as necessarily yeah. as escapism, but there's an element of that without question for the American audience or the colonial audience, if you will. Um, the other thing that I think is worth noting that makes this sort of challenging, but kind of interesting almost in a perverse way is that, as I mentioned at the beginning, Julian Fellows, he's upstairs you know what I mean? In his actual life. I don't necessarily, I don't presume to know his heart or his politics or whatever. I just mean, although he's in the House of Lords, so one could guess. But like, I just mean, he's approaching it. The main my, characters are my down guy loves Navi.
0: hunting a fox, you know?
3: It's fine. There are too many foxes, right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta thin the herd. Um, he, he—the show is about the upstairs people. The downstairs people are are scruffy and have their—Mr. Bates has his some foibles, but, like, it's about the upstairs family, right? Fundamentally, that's where the show is rooted in its narrative. And the American story is always going to be about the downstairs, in this. whether it is the people who are serving as butlers or maids or whatever, or it's the new money upstarts, or as the show very clumsily tries to incorporate. And I think it probably deserves some credit for trying to incorporate, although the results may vary— the black American experience as well. This is not necessarily the canvas that I would turn to Julian Fellows for illumination on. Mm-hmm. You know, so the the introduction of a character in the pilot who becomes friends with by the way, another streep. Talk about content farms. This How one, many streets are there?
0: Flying under the radar though. Cause like, you know, it's like it became known that the Gummers were were street progeny. And, yes. and so the uh, youngest one is going by Jacobson.
3: Yeah, that's a wild move. She was like the Gummer name is tainted. Do you think right? that when like, your kids gummers, grow up to
0: become podcasters, they'll like yeah. they'll be like known as the Gummer sisters?
3: I think that they would be lucky to escape the taint <laughs> of, of my legacy. Um, you no, know, so an actress named Danae Benton plays. Uh, Peggy Scott, who is a, um, a black American writer or wa- wants to become a writer. And she befriends the, the niece who moves from, shout out Doylestown, by the way, Doylestown. A lot of BS, Doylestown in this show. To come to New York and becomes embroiled with uh, the family, one of the families. It just feels like in a the, box. The Van because this isn't yeah. This isn't the show that is going to tell us about, that I would look to. I could be wrong but i don't know if this is the show that i'm going to look to to really explain the post-bellum black american experience in new york city I'm, so i'm going to give this you're damned show, if you do you're damned if you don't yeah, but it doesn't I, feel the show doesn't feel it's not it's it's not a, it's not a breathable garment the black speaking, experience the, in the show king, feels you
0: know? equally as wooden as uh, several other experiences in the show so that's fair by that token i'm going to give it a little bit of like room to grow i feel like this is a show that you know, we, we've we kind of had this a couple of times. We talked about 1883 and visually talked about the first episodes of those shows. And I think in general, we should probably try and be as forgiving as possible about first, first episode-itis. It's For rare sure. that you get a Mayor of Easttown or a Station Eleven where you're like, oh my God, like this is going to be my favorite show. I can tell. There were a couple of things here I wanted to talk to you about, just like in the weeds of the show mm-hmm. that, that I think are worth noting. First of all, one of the characters on this show has inspired me to now uh, ask for you to refer to me only as Mr. Larry from going forward.
3: Um, yeah, we can, we'll have to rebrand, but I think we can do that.
0: Yeah, it's the Andy Greenwald of and Mr. Larry, the watch. We, can, I mean, the font might have to shrink a little bit, but we'll just mm-hmm. shrink your name a little on, on the on the title card. I think that's fair. Mr. Larry and Gladys play the uh, brother and sister of the new money, Russells. Um, so I'm, I'm into that. Uh, Gladys played by Tyson F- Farmiga. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that. Yes. And then that brings me to this sort of bench of the cast that they have. So apparently because of like shooting in New York and for a variety of reasons, the Broadway bench of this show, and this is like very, maybe this is too insider, uh, Belasco theater for everybody, but you like almost every single person you see here is like, Oh, that's the star of the South Pacific revival. (laughs) Like that's just (laughs) Kelly O'Hara doing two scenes in this movie or show. And it, that's kind of awesome. I just wanted to shout out, um, I believe it's Donna Murphy, who is—watch uh, listeners will know her as the riding shotgun with Edward Norton in Born Legacy.
3: Well, they would also know her um, as the original star of Stephen Sondheim's Passions on Broadway, right? Oh, no, watch listeners <laughs> won't know that, is what you're saying. Dude, no, but for real. And they talked about this, and I think there was a Hollywood Reporter story about this, that, like, uh, filming during COVID in New York City— did have some advantages, which is right. to say that like Broadway was closed. So everybody was available. Right. So we're talking Audrey McDonald is in this show. Michael Cerverus is in this show. Um, like the guy, the the butler for the Russell family, very familiar looking stage actor, Jack Gilpin, Betty Gilpin's dad. Oh. Um, kind of fun. Um, no, the cast is really good and deep. And it's just like, I, I kind of wish that the show was fun. And to that end, we love Carrie Coon. Carrie Coon is on the wall. But there's a little bit of a woulda coulda. The show was originally, it was Amanda Pete. Amanda Pete was playing that part.
0: You, I, th- you, I think you read, you read the David lines that are Benioff. on the page. I, 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 like it's hard for me to choose. I think that's interesting. It's hard for me to choose between Pete and Coon. You know, they're they're two of my faves. But it's, it's pretty funny. I did learn this from Carrie Coon's performance and from this character is that now when I start really like getting back into entertaining in my home, which this show has inspired me to do, I'm going to introduce people to every object in the house and talk about its journey to my home. (laughs) So I'll be like, this daybed is from Joybird from the warehouse in Oxnard, where two gentlemen brought it, and it was quite an ordeal to get it through the front screen door.
3: (laughs) I also really hope that when... My wife brought
0: this throw pillow on a trip to Lisbon. I said when, we didn't have room in our luggage, but I was wrong.
3: <laughs> a fact that I'm reminded of every time I sit on it. I, next time we do video. Remember
0: when you said I couldn't fit that trip, pillow in my suitcase.
3: Uh, there's a, people can't see it. We're on Zoom. Behind Chris, there's a wooden table. Next time I see you, I want that table groaning with <laughs> shellfish. Yeah. I just want... Eight dozen lobster on that table. That is table. the sickest
0: shit. Like that is like, so Carrie Coon's character, Mrs. Russell throws this big, like welcome to society party. She's been basically like waiting. It's like her eight mile moment, you know, <laughs> like yeah. and yes. she's been waiting to step out on the world stage for however, like three years they've built this mansion. Everybody thinks it looks like shit. They think it's awesome. They got the architect there to answer any questions because that's a classic 19th century party thing. Is it's like awesome. the guy who designed the house is hanging out, being like, "Well, in case you want to know, I reference Versailles with I, this." Uh, I want
3: to do that at my house. I'll do that. Will be my version of the show where I'll be like, "You may be wondering who misinstalled this lattice work."
0: Yeah, but you should just, keep. Go find a guy at like the shortstop, the bar down the street. On that's and, like, the guy we
3: hired. Yeah, like he, You might be wondering why this doesn't keep the raccoons out. Well,
0: <laughs> that's because
3: I know a guy.
0: <laughs> this guy who looks like Justin Turner, <laughs> but is not Justin Turner. No, um, no, no. So I really want to do that. Yeah, I. I mean, like I think Julian Fellows for all of his accomplishments, I, I I I bet that this show gets a little bit more nimble going forward, is my, is my guess. As, like, the characters get going, I, I'm not, I'm I not like, I saying... I think it's
3: interesting. It might yeah. be. I just don't know if... A, that, there's something about the biography of this show, not even the biography of Julian Fellows, that makes me feel like nimbleness might not be in its DNA. And I, yeah. I, I could be very wrong. There's just something that feels a little so cobbled when you, together.
0: When you look at at Julian fellas, you don't think quick twitch ability, like just like instant reaction to whatever the cornerback is giving him that kind
3: of, well, I just, you know, I've been listening to a lot of sports podcasts on the ringer network and I've been hearing bill talk about how the thing about James Harden is he can still get a shot, but you know, time and circumstance has robbed him of the speed. You know what I mean? It just happens to all athletes, circumstance being a buffet at no. And like he's 33, you know what I mean? Like, or whatever he is like that. Yeah, I, th- I think that that quick first step might be often the thing to go. But I don't know. It, it it does, it accomplishes, this is where I wanted to end with it on the show. It absolutely accomplishes the goal that I think HBO had for the show. It definitely plugs a hole and attracts certain uh, audience and fan base. Um, but Is that what HBO is now? And is that enough? And what is it, you know, where do we go with it? We don't know. We should say, because I rarely have the opportunity in content that we cover great job by Baranski oh, she's that's true she is she is really doing a great job she's <laughs> yeah. of of the cast you kind of skipped
0: good fight so you haven't been able to say it for yeah, nigh on and, nine years yeah
3: and she gets the assignment you know what I mean it's not just that she's like f- funny and acidic and you know, well, she's all, been all the in the show pretty
0: much for the entire like of, of its entire development right
3: the the reason *Downton Abbey* one of the reasons it worked was you you had Maggie Smith just throwing heaters mm-hmm. right and 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 that's what Berensky's doing here and I wish there was more of that spirit in the show a little bit of puckishness or fun would go a long way and you'd think you'd be able to get it with the proximity to Broadway and Broadway actors. We'll
0: see. Let, let's let's end on a high note on Baranski. Uh We're gonna have David Jacoby come on to talk a little bit about the origins of uh, our podcasting relationship. So Andy and I have obviously been podcasting for ten years together now. Uh, there are countless people to thank over the course of that time. Everybody who's engineered, everybody who's produced. Shout out Tate Frazier from the early days at The Ringer. You know, like we've been recording this podcast for a long time and we do it because like we really love talking to each other. Obviously, we do it even when we're not being asked to by Bill. But yeah, like do you have any like general thoughts you want to share with our listeners? I, I hate doing this sort of self No, no.
3: I, I think that... I mean on a personal, like, a
0: personal level. Like, it's, I think it's lovely that we've been doing this this long.
3: I, 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 the thing I wanted to say was, I think that it would be fun to, um, because we, we clearly are not organized enough to have like thrown ourselves a party, but I think that there, it would be fun to over the, this year or 10th anniversary year, like or the next few months anyway, like maybe have a couple other guests from the old days or like repeat guests, come back and talk about stuff. Maybe we could find some of our favorite segments, um, play back some, I don't know.
0: ESPN's pod center.
3: Okay, so maybe we could find some of segments from the last five years of the pod because the rest has been memory hold. But no, I mean, I think I, I'm i excited to talk to Jacoby about it and to go back all the way back in the Wayback Machine to the beginning. But like, on the other hand, maybe we don't need to do too much of a celebration because this is, this is a celebration. This is my favorite thing to do twice a week. And I would be, as, as evidenced by some of my text messages, I would be very lost <laughs> without it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to our listeners. I can't believe we still get to do this. It's pretty crazy.
0: I, I think it's hard for me to articulate what it means to me just because it's such an extension of our friendship. So it feels like it's it weirdly personal to talk about doing the podcast. It's something that I'm very unselfconscious about. Like I think we could just turn on the re- recorder and, and come up with something at least interesting to us. We're so glad that people have spent so much time with us over the the decade, which is a weird thing to say
3: yeah and I, I completely agree with you that we could always come up with something to talk about I think it's it'll be interesting for people to hear our interview with Jacoby because he disagrees um, yeah. <laughs> and 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 has been encouraging us not to just we do need that it.
0: we always need whoever is producing or engineering us you know whoever it is we always need that person like it's worth noting that mm-hmm. kaya today, our 10th anniversary show she was just like, can you guys get going. <laughs>
3: Yeah, here's the thing that <laughs> people become, might not realize. We need
0: to gotta keep us grounded.
3: <laughs> here's a little behind the scenes hint. We are known internally as the bad boys of podcasting. Yeah. You know, like we don't like structure, we don't like rules, we chafe against the man's expectations or in this case the woman's expectations. So, we appreciate all of the people who have tried and you know, some have failed to keep us to keep us hemmed in, you know. No, for real. This is this is the best thing. We love doing it. We I can't believe we get to do it. We're so grateful. To everyone, we're especially grateful to Kaya for getting us started today and and bringing us home <laughs> week after week. Um, let's let's keep the party going. Let's yeah. not put a let's not put a period we'll on, a sentence on David now. Jacoby.
0: Let's... We'll be back on uh, Monday. So everybody have a lovely weekend. And do you want to send us out with your your usual sign
3: off, Chris? It's the it's, this is the beginning of our second decade That's of right. podcasting, which so- will be our own gilded age. So happy tenth anniversary, Branski's. We did it.
0: To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile for more details.
2: This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm.
0: Andy and I are now joined by our original executive producer, the guy who saw something special in us when we didn't see it at all. (laughs) It's David Jacoby from Grantland days (laughs) now of ESPN, but also of the rare because he's doing food news with Juliet Lemon. Jacoby, what's up, man?
1: Uh, It's just so it's so good to be here on this pod and see your faces on this Zoom because I have listened to countless hours of you two idiots Talk about TV in a way that makes you sound really smart. And I often have to like stop the pod and remember like my personal interactions with you and be like, oh, no, 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 they're idiots. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> so we are so excited to talk to you, have you back on the show. And we want to do a little, um, Chris loves us, a little navel gazing, looking a little, looking a little backwards, talking about ourselves. And in so doing, and I've shared this with you already, dug up the first email you sent. Uh, about this podcast, and this was sent on uh, January tenth, twenty twelve. A much more innocent nation, oh. as well as innocent people, and younger.
0: Obama was just grinding. We- it was just like Twitter was great.
3: J- Jacoby and I had a hundred percent fewer children. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> Can do a uh, dramatic reading. <laughs> well, I would I would love it because I mean, the I thing that read I love it in about my voice this, right? Because <laughs> because my favorite thing about it is that as it turns out. We were one of a potpourri of podcasts that you were hoping to launch as the, as the Hollywood Prospectus. It really wasn't because the narrative that we've told over the years, like Friends, is, oh, Jacoby and Bill Simmons found out that Chris and I have been friends for many, many years and thought we'd make a good podcast. Actually, that is not the case. Not the case. OK, you want to read this?
1: Well, a couple things um, I want to make clear. Uh, I am getting way too much credit for this already. Um, it was very much you guys being friends and being great and, um, and Bill's idea and, and Mark's idea. I was just kind of in charge of the podcast network, but I'll take all the credit. You know what I mean? Whatever. And uh, secondly, um, one of my philosophies back in the creation of the Grantland Network was let's not give people podcasts or make people feel like they've got a podcast because once they have a podcast, it's hard to cancel and or take away.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Look at so, us now. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. We, and so what happens is, is you kind of soft sell it at the very beginning. And this is my soft sell sent uh, Tuesday, January 10th at uh, 1 42 PM. I'm assuming that's uh, West coast time. Yeah. Hey, Chris, Hey, Chris Ryan, guess what? Andy and I spoke today and we decided that you decided you wanted to do a podcast in New York City the morning of the 17th. We also decided that you were really excited about it. You make great decisions when we make them for you. For real, I think the two of you would make an ideal pod pair as one of the duos that we are launching under the working title TV podcast umbrella Ella, Ella, A A in parentheses. <laughs> the others being Lasantian Kang. Shout to the gods and myself Incredible. and whomever is dumb enough to talk to me, aka Juliet Littman Later in life, so Chris, first text Andy and be all quote, "What the fuck is Jacoby talking about?" End quote, and then go back to me about if that day idea works for you. If so, I will book a studio in NYC on that morning, and then we can talk. I'll talk about what you two will talk about. Groovy question mark from the desk of jacoby
3: incredible now what was just to be specific here could you describe what was I can't was believe you're your, ask
2: him
0: like what was going through your mind in 2000 <laughs> no 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 not that i just want
3: to know like what was your assignment like you were taken over you were in charge of a podcast network that didn't exist you were starting yes. one for gramland and yes. what, what what were your goals here But really what were your goals and by the way you're selling yourself short with the email because TV podcast is just one word away from The Ringer's most recent successful television podcast. (laughs) So you're kind of a visionary.
1: Good point. I like this. We're calling it TV podcast. (laughs) That (laughs) would have been so much better for SEO. It would have been so direct. It would have been so great. Naming your dog, dog. You know, (laughs) it's just But then no one's confused. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we ended up naming it Hollywood Prospectus, which to this day, I still hate. I it's still terrible. hate Hollywood Prospectus. It's a terrible 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 pun and a reference or it's not even a pun. It's a reference to something that I didn't even get and no <laughs> one does. It makes no. no sense whatsoever. It makes me like feel like it's like yeah, we're like a 1949 gold rushers that like watch a lot of madmen. It's like okay, I guess.
3: <laughs> that's, that's a good me. idea. For that, that, that's not that, Chris, but that does that, describe yeah, yeah, my aesthetic yeah. pretty well.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. At the time was we were we were gonna launch, we had the Bills, the BS report, big pod, great pod. I don't know if you ever heard of it. And then we started to expand the network, and we were going to do like a sports vertical and a pop culture vertical, much like Grantland had sort of like the, the main features and, the, and then and the, the triangle respectus. and the Hollywood prospectus. Yeah. So we were going to reflect that in the podcast. However, we decided to sort of like make a pool feed from which we would pilot. Duos, shows, play, experiment, and then eventually those shows that that sort of stuck out, broke ground, cut through the clutter, would then get their own feeds and sort of "quote unquote" graduate. Now, none of that was shared with anybody, right? <laughs> you know, we would the, the grand vision wasn't shared with the talent like yourselves, <laughs> um, right? Because then, then you would feel pressure to sort of like get your own feed or whatever. But over time, that strategy not only bore fruit, but it's sort of like the the blueprint. Yeah, it's the model. Networks work. Yeah, it's the model for how that now listen. I can't again, like I'm not gonna sit here and say that I created it, but um, it was something that we discussed and it was something that I didn't see in the market before then, not that it didn't exist before then.
3: It, it's also really funny and nostalgic for me to to remember what it was like, and you still know what this is like, but to work for the Walt Disney Company and ESPN, where you were like, these two idiots want to talk to each other about Downton Abbey, I'm going to book a studio at the Brill Building for them.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah like, the Brill Building. That's right.
0: Yeah. Oh my and God. And we I sat about in that. a studio, like in a like a recording studio where they made like Be My Baby or something. Yeah. And Andy and yeah. Us, Andy and I stole s- sat on stools yeah. like four feet from each other and just looked into each other's eyes. Yeah. And well, do you remember like, we
3: had they had those stands like, for, like conductors use like music stands with notepads. You
0: had like an engineer and they like asked you
1: what you wanted for lunch. I probably spent like $2,500 on that
3: stupid <laughs> That's pop. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like the engineers had just spent the morning doing ADR for the most recent Lauren Michaels movie. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then these two dipshits walk in and they're it's like, the walking like, isn't sick. very good, is it? The uh, yeah. period 24. Let, let me tell you about this book <laughs> like, I read last week. <laughs> So, the thing that I wanted to share with you guys next, and I I have not shared this with you yet, Jacoby, but later in that chain, you then gave us your tips and instructions. And I would like to, 10 years on, ask for how we're doing. Because we love you and we respect you and your advice has always been good. I don't think we took it. And I I feel like maybe there's still time to pivot. (laughs) So, okay. So, you wrote, this is January 12th at 1.41 p.m. Is that earlier than the first email? No. Okay. It's two days later.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Were you, you, Jan- were, no, January, that, right? you were in the
1: West Coast by then, right? You were in LA. I, I think the first one was in June, right? This one was in January.
3: N- this is January. This is, ja- it was all January. Oh, okay. Okay, good. good. Um, you two moved days, fast. Two days later. Because remember, you had been talking about it since June, but you didn't tell us about it. And Jacoby mm, was in yeah. LA. Jacoby, this was in his peak, like bike riding from mid-city to LA Live. That's right. Period, oh yeah. No kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was Jamba great.
1: Juice
3: Green in juices. one hand. Yeah. yeah. And they'd, they'd be like, let's have a meeting at Yard House." Remember, like, it was just just, just leaving your office
1: to smoke cigarettes. Oh, god, I missed that.
0: (laughs) But you fucked me. You quit right when I moved to Los Angeles. Like, I moved out and I was like, me and Jacoby are gonna bond over smoking. And you were like, oh, yeah, I quit.
1: You were health conscious. First of all, all right, you're still quitting. Okay, okay.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Phoebe. (laughs) It's an ongoing. It's an ongoing <laughs> thing. Um, this is good. This is one of your tips. Actually, you've just been embodying your David Jacoby's 2012 rules for podcasting. So first, you have some. You book the oh studio. Is this
1: going to hurt my feelings? I feel like this. No, is gonna hurt my feelings. no, it's going to hurt our feelings. Yeah. You okay,
3: wrote, good, "Book good, the good, studio, good. January right. 17th, 9 a.m. Broadway Sound, the Brill Building." You music dork should be stoked about that. <laughs> True, True. We still are. <laughs> some <laughs> housekeeping. I'm just, I'm <laughs> the, the best. Here's my favorite. Some housekeeping. You should record the pod.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I,
3: <laughs> not wrong. By the way, this is essentially you Guy named is the dog. Dog. Right now. <laughs> Do you understand? Guy is like, absolutely.
0: You got to. You got to. <laughs> Number two. <for> sure.
3: <laughs> Number two from David Jacoby's tips for launching a successful podcast: edit it together. Parenthetical: take out fuck ups, curses, sleep inducing, boring sections. Okay. Good still, still, haven't got, still haven't gotten there. <laughs> Send it to, no, definitely not. Send it <laughs> yeah. to myself and some guy at ESPN who I, I don't think we ever worked with uh, with these specs, MP3, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now some content hints. This Ooh. is my favorite part. Yeah. Okay. Mm. See how we did. Number one, have a fucking plan. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years in. Nope. I have
0: a plan. It just doesn't matter.
3: <laughs> okay. Number two, have fun. Humor plays well in this space. That's oh, accurate. Hey.
0: No, that's true. Hey, there you go. We're yeah. having fun right now.
3: God. Here's the one that has been ringing around in my ears for 10 years, and I have yet to listen to it. <clears throat> get right into the content. I, seriously, <laughs> that's the biggest thing for all podcasts. Just say oh. your names and get right into it. Don't Thank give you. people a reason to bail on you. Start strong.
1: Thank you. I mean, it's a, seriously, guys, this is this is for all podcasts. If you're listening to this and you have a podcast, say your names, get into the content, start strong. I don't care what you had for breakfast. I don't care the train got delayed on the way to the pod. I don't care about your kids. I don't care about your clothes. I don't care about saying hi. I don't care about any of that. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm Andy Greenwald. And here's the stupid fucking show that I just watched.
3: Okay. I hear that. I do. It's okay. just that. Okay. Okay. It's just a couple things. One, sometimes Chris's breakfast is interesting. We're catching (laughs) up. We're good friends. I've been having the same breakfast for
0: almost the entirety of the run of this (laughs) podcast.
3: It's never interesting. Another wrinkle. I don't watch much TV. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) Gotta
1: get to an hour somehow.
3: We gotta gotta stretch it. Gotta stretch it. I mean, this advice is objectively good. We have just literally never done it. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Okay, I think that
0: we have we've started to become adept at like when we feel we hear the call of duty, like when it's succession time, when we we know it's time to get in the mix. We cut out a lot of like I had probiotic kefir on my granola this morning talk and we get yeah, right yeah, into yeah. like what
1: did, did you Kendall start eating Roy-
0: that <laughs> <laughs> what did Kendall Roy do?
1: <laughs> okay, no, I mean, um, you guys do that with the big pots because i come in and out my my listenership of the watch is weekly and i listen to it twice every week but um during like the big moments and the big shows i listen, <laughs> you to, you three listen times. to the pod is
3: week yes yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and Not during weekly. those big
1: moments during those big moments you guys do sort of like rise to the occasion Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you. It still means a lot to us. We still want your approval. Um, the next one on your bullet point list. Make fun of each other. Trust me. See, and that's <laughs> that what is. we were just doing with Chris. Yeah. That's easy. Give him a little give him a little raspberry. Yeah. No problem. Okay. Last one. Uh keep it clean, tasteful, and not going to get Jacoby fired. We <laughs> Which... did that. We
0: did that. Andy and I are pretty are pretty chaste. In you yeah, know? Yeah. in,
3: in Jacoby's, what's the opposite of defense? Offense. From an ESPN account, you sent this email, and after that, you then listed an example of something we shouldn't say that would get you fired, which I will not read (laughs) 10 years later uh, on the podcast. Oh, God. I'll just say that it involves your dog named Dog and things we shouldn't do to him.
1: (laughs) Wow. Okay.
3: Um, Last thing. Now, a content question, presumably about the podcast we were about to record. What the fuck are you going to talk about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did this email even get a response?
0: Like a- yeah, I think I think that we <laughs> okay. the funny thing about going back to these old emails is just how much more invested in the podcast Andy was because he's like writing copy <laughs> for iTunes and he's like, what time do you gents want to record? But shall we shall we gather beforehand? Like yeah. I didn't just write
3: copy for iTunes, I wrote a blog post for Brantlin, like with oh, jokes yeah. and like embedded but I links. Was, I was
0: a much more of a like jamoke back. Like I was like, this guy who like writes about soccer is also gonna like ride shotgun with me while I talk about Downton Abbey.
3: That's that was my attitude. Well, is that no, did that was, you read like, that? Email? A little
0: bit more of the original pitch because like the first Like iTunes description of the show is like television critic and Mm. thought leader Andy Greenwald (laughs) and Chris Ryan.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my god so you're you're basically like going to be kind of in a like a corner man role like customato. auto be yeah, like i, I to be a little bit. andy <laughs> these uh these these butlers i don't i don't think they're on the level what <laughs> do you are think they, are, they
1: snitch, are they snitching enough or i don't know
3: i can't tell are they going upstairs they're like going downstairs pick a
0: floor yeah, you know <laughs> uh
1: just to make something about you about me quickly uh, those Incredible. emails are like a good indication of like me trying to get down with the grantland gang You know what I mean? Because I came from like a a sports TV background and you guys were like these writers with like, you know, clever turns of phrases and read things and watch things and say smart things. So I used to like really try to be clever in my emails. You know, now, like I've three kids later and a decade later, like I I really just-
0: Yeah, when's the last time you wrote an email? (laughs) Like- Yeah,
1: Yeah. I made the mistake of showing, I showed Juliet my scent, like my scent, um like scent box or whatever it's called and she was so envious she was just like oh my god you sent four for emails yesterday i'm like yeah four
3: <laughs> <laughs> but you're but you're a professional broadcaster now you're on tv you you do this for a living your advice you put into the world and it worked right like i, I don't know what jalen has for breakfast and you're on tv like that's that worked true. yeah yeah that's good um, get to the fucking content
1: Andy Greenwald. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan for this interview? Did you guys write down any questions? This is the plan. It's supposed to be a walk down memory lane. Did you plan this this interview? Well, can I say something very, very nice to to you guys? I know that we joke a lot, but like, yo, this pod means so much to Grantland, and it means so much to The Ringer, and it means so much to so many people's lives. It's extremely popular, and it's really, really good. I don't listen to podcasts. I listen to like a few once in a while, and The Watch to me is an absolute must listen, and it's a, a great combination of expertise about the content and something that's so important in the podcast space, which I should have put in that first email. It's just chemistry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just chemistry. Like you guys worked at tower records in like Philadelphia in like 1988 Close or something. Just like, yeah. Our contemporary yeah. Yeah. David yeah. Jacoby, 1988. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice try. I was being too nice. I'm sorry. I had to, but like, honestly, like this, this pod, I'm speak for all listeners. Like this is a fucking go to great Podcast. And it's because you Aww. two are so smart and funny. And you can feel the the love that you will never express for each other through every single minute of it. You know what I
3: That's mean? That's because like you, you guys you will told never told us to make fun of each other.
1: You'll never yeah. sit there and be like, Oh, I love you so much, Chris. Like this means so much to me. You guys you guys, like, but you don't have to because it's there, like just in in bits and pieces throughout every single fucking episode. And I love this pod so much. And you guys are brilliant and funny. And this is an, an excellent podcast. And I deserve zero credit for it, but that doesn't mean I won't take it.
0: Jacoby, thank you so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you, our friend. So, it was some of the best times. We, that weird little closet we had at LA Live. Oh, yeah. I mean... The three of us.
1: Those were, those were some... <laughs> it wasn't the three of us. Um, those were some of the most
3: fulfilling, creative, You, you, you inspiring... were there. You would sit in the room sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was definitely there. That's because, you, you know, someone didn't show up or something. Yeah. <laughs> but also, <laughs> but also, also you
3: you... To be clear, when we talk about how you were the producer, you were the producer the way like Rick Rubin is the producer. That's right. You know you what would I mean. Sit
0: in the middle of the room, cross legged, and just be like, "Let the drums flow." You know? Yeah. Like, you're like, I don't know what these
3: these these knobs do, but I know what sounds good. You know what I mean? And I, exactly. I feel like that's standing there with a
0: jamba juice, just kind of like dancing in the middle of the studio, just be like, "I want to hear robots. the takes. Just get right into it." Um, Jacoby, we won't take up any more of your time, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Let's crush COVID and come back out and play Harding with me.
1: Oh. Let's just get COVID, get over it, and then party. (laughs) Okay.
3: I I love you both.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You guys are the best. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be a a very small piece of not just the creation of this podcast, but also a listener and to join you guys today. Thanks, man. Later, guys.
3: The King.